Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio Podcasts. I'm pleased to share a panel discussion from the 2022 Chief Medical Officer Summit on the topic of the changing environment around accelerated approvals and regulatory pathways. For more information about the CMO Summit, our editorials, podcasts, and webinars, please visit cmosummit360.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Uh, good morning uh, to all of you, and I'll stand here for the first uh, few minutes uh, as I welcome uh, Jeff and Amy uh, to, to the podium. And the reason I'm here is because I have, well, actually, I can sit down and push this button here. Yeah, here we go. Uh, as a way to start our panel, what we decided to do uh, was actually put together a few slides kind of to frame the discussion not with the intention to go over all of the details of the slides as they will be available to all of you. Uh, in addition to the four slides I will show, uh, they, there are also some hidden slides that will be part of the information available uh, to, to all of you. So before I go on the slides, you know, I'm Edith Perez. I'm Chief Medical Officer at Bolt Biotherapeutics. I've been a CMO for two years. Uh, so it started right as the pandemic was being initiated. Um, and my career before then included uh, three years U.S. Medical Affairs at Genentech for Hematology, Oncology, and then I'm also Professor of Medicine at Mayo Clinic. Jeff, do you want to say a few words about you? Sure. Thank you, Edith. Hi, I'm Jeff Bornstein. I'm the Chief Medical Officer at Eladon Pharmaceuticals. Um, worked my way up to that role over 20 years. Started as an Associate Medical Director, uh, went through Elan and a couple of startups, and then to Gilead Biogen, and then most recently uh, was Head of Clinical Development for GI at Takeda before joining Eladon a year ago. Thank you. Hi, my name is Amy Blouse, and I'm a principal consultant with NDA Regulatory. I'm a PhD, not an MD. Um, I've been in regulatory consulting and in regulatory for over 20 years. I've been um, with a CRO and then more recently in biotech and autologous cell therapy and vaccines. Um, and I joined NDA about two years ago and have been working with really great clients ever since. Thank you. Okay, great. So let me go over the slides. We all uh, you know, know the basics of what the FDA does, which is to protect the health uh, you know, people in the United States. Many of you may have spent time uh, looking at the history of why the FDA was created, which actually results in many of the regulations that have existed over the years to protect the health of, of, of people in the United States. But over the last few years, there has been a significant effort to, to expedite the evaluation and recommendations uh, associated with approval of, of agents, which is what's included on these slides as part of our discussion uh, today. So on, on this uh, next couple of slides, I have you know, some of the classic uh, programs that have been initiated over the last few years um, to address these important advances, uh, including you know, the fast-track designation and what, what are the qualifying criteria for the fast-track designation breakthrough or therapy, which actually adds to some of the components of the fast-track designation uh, when there's some clinical data already available. And then the two big important components of not only the an accelerated approval uh, to get agents uh, uh, available for commercial utilization much sooner than in the past based on surrogate endpoints, as well as the priority review designation that is sought by, by many to, to optimize uh, the e evaluation. One important issue, and I hope we have time a little bit later, is to talk about the approval pathway and how there have been you know, many discussions about this particular pathway over the last few months, including a meeting uh, well publicized last April 
where there were questions about the viability of the appro accelerated approval pathway, um, uh, which we again can discuss. But in addition to you know mentioning you know the, the reference as well as the qualifying criteria for these four uh, programs, on this slide what we have is information related to when to submit the request in the context of uh, the IND or uh, other additional data, timelines for response uh, expected from the FDA for each one of these programs, as well as the future, so what is uh, expected to be accomplished by these four uh, programs. So what I'll do then on the next two slides is actually address, address two specific programs in the area of oncology. Um, uh, and then, you know, we'll have uh, Jeff and Amy uh, discuss other areas that are very critical uh, as part of our discussion today. But Project Orbis, you know, just started in 2019, so not even uh, four years ago, and there are already about 29 different uh, products that have been approved through Project Orbis. So this is an example of an idea that was implemented uh, recently and has had already a major impact on availability of agents, not only in the United States, but many parts of the world. And essentially what Project Orbis does is that it provides a framework for concurrent submission and review of oncology products amongst international partners. And the number of countries participating in Project Orbis has continued to increase since the inception of the program. I think this has revolutionized uh, the availability of agents in oncology throughout the world because the delays have been minimized significantly through this project. Then the other project I wanted to, to mention is actually the RTOR, the Real-Time Oncology Review uh, Project. And this is also a very innovative approach, uh, which is uh, one that includes the early submission of data relevant to safety and effectiveness, which allows the FDA to essentially take a peek at the data that you have that you will eventually expand on with the full application. And again, this is, uh, these are two examples of very recent changes which are having a major impact. So I'll, I'll stop right here uh, because I would like to offer the opportunity for Jeff uh, to talk a little bit about his area of expertise and some of the new options available for consideration. Jeff. Well, thank you, Edith. All right, show of hands, how many people have um, been on a program where you used uh, this, this accelerated approval pathway? Uh, it's a minority, but <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity if used right. Um, and some of the things to think about are, um, what is that reasonably likely to predict qualification on it? So this is all based on a surrogate endpoint, and surrogate endpoints are used all the time. Um, a truly validated surrogate endpoint, most of them are biomarkers, uh, but a truly validated surrogate endpoint can be used actually for full final approval for the traditional path. And then an, an endpoint, a surrogate endpoint that has really limited or no data around it really is probably not gonna be able to use for, for any path. And so you're in the middle. You're, you're, the endpoints that we're talking about for this, um, for this reasonably likely to predict are there's enough data on it to show that Mechanistically, it makes sense uh, that epidemiologically, maybe it, it's correlated, but it isn't validated. And so, you know, it's, this becomes kind of a game of know your, know your surrogate endpoints. And um, one of the programs that I was involved with, we had a few candidates. And so, you know, um, we put all that in front of the agency. So we met with them very early in the process. 
And so these are the endpoints we want to explore for later stage, in our early phase studies, to come back with you with the data for later stage studies. And they actually picked one. So the uh, FDA looked at our briefing book, they actually talked to their own consultants, and they, they came back with us as with, we want you to use this one. We think the data for this endpoint su uh, is sufficient for reasonably likely to predict. And we built a program around it. And then my other little kind of nugget of advice is um, manage upwards and manage expectations because all your investors and your board and your CEO are going to think the program stops with that approval, and it doesn't. And so the program becomes way longer and way more expensive with way more patients than what they're thinking, and there's going to be some sticker shock. And so you have to manage it um, appropriately with this is going to get us conditional approval. We still have to confirm that surrogate endpoint by continuing to follow these patients or through another confirmatory trial, and we have to do it. And so, and we have to start that early because that has to be in place by the time we come in front of the agency. So it doesn't end with, uh, you know, in the case of, let's say, some of the kidney disease programs that are out there now, it doesn't end with urine protein at six months. <laughs> I wish it did, it doesn't. You have to show change in EGFR long term. Right, so I'll turn it over to Amy. Sure. Um, so uh, to also to speak to um, Jeffrey's point, I think, you know, there, there are a lot of these great, approval pathways that the agency has offered out for consideration, and many of these incorporate frequent communication with the agencies and frequent feedback with the agencies. And I think something that's important or that we try to remind our sponsors is that that's also a commitment from you as a sponsor, that you have the support that you need within your company to react to those communications, to document those communications, to prepare documentation for those communications. And so it's not a one-way uh, pathway, it's a dual pathway, and it's two people interacting together from different viewpoints trying to come to a collective agreement on how to move forward. Um, and I will say to the confirmatory trial, um, Yes, let's get that moving. Let's get that one going while we're still in the development process so that you are at a certain stage when you go in front of the agency that you have a pathway to get to full approval at the end of the day. And also kind of wanted to mention a couple other um, accelerated pathways like RMAT, um, regenerative medicine um, designation. We've been involved in a few of those. Um, ODD, orphan drug designation, which isn't really an expedited pathway, but it does facilitate more communications with the agencies and it's a good opportunity to put your information in front of the agency and get some feedback kind of early on in your development process. Um, and yeah, so we also, I would mention that out at our, at our booth today, we have some white papers on expedited pathways and on on-confirmatory trials if you want to, something kind of to take home to think about during the developmental process. Um, and, and we've really taken some of the learnings that um, were just spoken about, the emergency youth authorization and the speed at which things were being able to be approved during the COVID era. Um, and I do think that the FDA is considering um, these learnings and is trying to provide even more pathways um, for the future. Yeah, that's good. You know, there were, there were some uh, follow-up comments to what Jeff mentioned, what Amy mentioned, some of the things discussed earlier today. And it is, uh, you know, it happened to that I actually was, was speaking at the, at the research rounds of the, the oncology um, um, group of the FDA just on Friday. And Richard Parsdor was there. 
Uh, they, there were more than 100 people who attended the meeting, and this meeting was t talking about actually um, health equity in the context of participation in clinical trials as well as understanding you know, the outcome of data in terms of their applicability to the populations affected by the disease. But in addition to that, we talked about actually a pediatric osteosarcoma where um, another speaker uh, uh, participated in, in this section where there have been zero advances over the last 35 years in a disease that is very rare in, in children. So we talked about the issue of surrogate endpoints. How are we going to really make a difference in surrogate endpoints as well as health equity in the context of clinical trials? And what I mainly got out of that meeting was the receptiveness that the group at the FDA has to look at things in an innovative way with an open lens because their goal is actually identical to ours. We want to make advances, they want to make advances and uh, be sure that we do this in, in a highly ethical and, and timely way. So, you know, we, many times I think people are kind of scared of the FDA and in, in my view, we shouldn't be scared of the FDA. We should look at what they've done and actually collaborate and communicate in an ongoing way. Uh, yeah, I would say from personal experience, um, our best uh, meetings with the agency are when we go in with a collegial approach and I have witnessed CMOs speaking to clinical reviewers and an aha moment going on. So I think, I'm, and I'm not just complimenting you all, but I do think a CMO plays a pivotal role in communicating with the agency and being present at those meetings because you have the best vision of your product at that point and it's an education and the agency does want to work with you, they do want to get your, your products approved. And so I think going into it not as a, you know, we're telling you all this, but more of a collegial approach is, is, has been the most successful in, in my experience. Yeah, be, be an active listener in those yeah. settings, right? I mean, that's, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll help you if you let them. That's true, 100%, yeah. yeah, agreed. Yeah, I have a question for the audience, which is, you know, many of you have been involved in accelerated approval uh, discussions. Are you willing to share some of your experiences that we can then expand on or, or smile about or not smile about uh, today? <laughs> yes. There's a microphone behind you, maybe. Oh, thank yeah. you. Hi, my name's Amy Simon. I'm at Beam Therapeutics now, but I was at Al Nylum, and we wound up getting breakthrough designation, um, which really enabled us to have multiple rounds of conversations with the regulators. Yes. And I think it, they gave us a lot of important feedback along the way. And I think that enabled us to then develop a biomarker that we could use for surrogate approval that was not developed in the field. Right. Um, and also was creative in thinking about it with them. They didn't say yes right away, but you know, it's like every no gets you closer to a yes. <laughs> the more data we generated, the better it got. And we wound up pulling a natural history study right. very early on. And we called it an observational study because we collected blood and we collected urine. And we actually kind of really got the biomarker so that it could be validated, frankly, along the way. So by the time we got to phase three, we had this acceptance for a potential accelerated approval, which we built in through an interim analysis. Now this never really happens, but we enrolled so quickly, thanks to our ClinOps people and our great community of patients, et cetera, in the acute hepatic porphyria space that we didn't have to do accelerated approval. We went on to get a full approval because we were so quick, but 
this flexibility and acceptance by the FDA to potentially have an interim analysis with the potential for an accelerated approval really was speaking to trying to get this to patients as soon as possible. And so in that regard, I thought it was an incredible collaboration with the agency, and I also can't say enough about starting early. Um, so this idea about talking to patients, finding out what's important to them, giving them questionnaires, building this into all of our endpoints, and, and the FDA seeing what we did and collaborating with us on it was absolutely you know, a great experience and really kind of emphasizes what you said, which is they really want to partner with you. I wish that people all had this access through breakthrough designation because I felt like they would say to us, like, pick up the phone, call yeah. us. We're, I think it's much harder to get that feedback. So we have to think about creative ways to get feedback if you don't have breakthrough designation. That's fantastic. Wow, that's a great case study for this this whole panel, I think. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. It also um, kind of opens it up a little bit to the idea around seamless adaptive designs, right? So um, this pathway is really lends itself to that kind of design where if you wanted to, you could start off with multiple doses, do an interim analysis, adapt to your final dose, look at your endpoint that's reasonably likely to predict um, and submit, but the study's ongoing so that you actually have your confirmatory trial that's already really far along by the time, um, by the time they're reviewing the data. So they know, they know you're committed at that point. They, they know that you know, this, the confirmatory data is coming. Yeah, like that, that comment, and, you know, for I think all of us being at CMOs, it behooves us to not only to think about uh, how to get pot a potential accelerated approval, but be able to have the dialogue with uh, the CEO, to have the dialogue with the board, so that we have the confirmatory trial, you know, ongoing with uh, actually good thinking behind the ability to potentially replicate the data to warrant full approval. Uh, because I think, uh, you know, the industry has suffered from um, some individuals in the past not actually having that strict plan and believing that they can continue to live off the accelerated approval forever. And I think we have an opportunity to, to make a difference, uh, to do it uh, the, the right way so that the perception of the ethics of what we do will continue to, to be improved for, for the public. No? Yeah. You want to share any, any case scenarios that, you've, uh, that you can share related to your experience as a consultant um, area? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for us, we don't always get pulled in early enough to make as much of an impact as we would like. But I think, you know, for some of my um, clients, we're at a pinch point where we're really going in front of the agency and kind of lobbying for a surrogate endpoint and trying to understand their, their position and, and where they're coming from. And, and so we, we coach a lot of our, our sponsors on, on how to approach the agency with, with their ideas, with the research that they've done, and making sure that the data is adequate to support um, accelerated approval. And so, so not getting into too many specifics, I would say that that's kind of where the crux of the matter lies. And, and kind of getting that agreement in early development with the agency, um, what we're going to use and how we're gonna proceed down the development pathway. Yeah, yeah. how about you, Jeff? Yes, so I, um, I've been in two programs where we've, um, where we've used a surrogate endpoint that's reasonably likely to predict. Uh, one, one failed, 
um, and one is ongoing, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, <laughs> the, the first one was, uh, was a liver disease program, and, and we actually did not get the endpoint we wanted. That was where I said we put a lot of potential endpoints in front of the agency. And we, we had one in mind that we really wanted, and they picked a different one. Um, you know, to their credit, the data was much stronger for that endpoint. We just didn't, didn't want it to be <laughs> the endpoint we used. But we, um, we, we worked towards that endpoint. It, it ultimately would have failed on either endpoint. So it was, the, the drug didn't work. Okay, I don't want to finish the panel with the drug didn't work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there are many that have worked, and I really, hopefully, you feel that this panel has worked. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today, and to have met uh, Jeff and Amy. It's been my pleasure. So thank you very much, and we're on time. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For more information about the Chief Medical Officer 360 Summit, our editorial podcasts and webinars, please visit cmosummit360.com. Thank you.